But many of us are still making up our minds. I think we probably have people in here today worshiping with us that are still making up their minds about Jesus. Uh, There are people in the room who have their mind made up about who Jesus is, but still have a lot of questions about life and, and the answers to those questions. And again, if we're paying attention, and I hope, especially after this last series, we're, we're paying more attention to those that we're coming uh, to touch in life and are coming to touch our life, like the lady that I went to Lowe's yesterday to pick up some last-minute paint supplies. And the lady, I, I don't know why this happens, but it happens more times than not. She felt comfortable enough with me, even with people in the line, to begin talking to me about her life talking about her cancer treatment, talking about her insurance company, talking about the fight she's having with HR, talking about receipts she cannot find. And she's just going on, people are waiting in line. I'm sure hoping that I would speed it along a little bit too. But I felt like it was a God moment. I didn't preach. I I just said, you know, that's horrible. I'm sorry you're going through that. You know, that's sort of what happens. Life can be up and down. And I, I used this. I said, you know, Jesus has been a great help to me in life. I know he'll be a great help to you. And, you know, she had questions. Uh, I'm sure even going home, she, she probably began just planting a seed or watering a seed somebody else planted in her life. Began to sort of, questions began to surface. It's just the nature of life. And it's, again, the, the nature of upheaval, especially. And, and yet, in these words that Jesus, in the answer he gave, I am the way. Would you say it with me? I am the way, the truth, and the life. One more time. I am the way, the truth. And the life. There are three great truths that I just really want to touch on uh, a little bit this morning before we uh, dismiss and get into our week. But there are actually three great truths. There are more than that, but three great truths that the Holy Spirit, I think, just continues to bring me back to and is the substance of what we're going to talk about today. And the, just note them with me. Number one, in, a, in, a, in just the short answer, I think nine words I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus addressed life's most basic questions for all of us, whether we know him or don't know know him. Of course, there are many, many questions we have. There are more detailed questions we all ask. And again, people ask whether they, again, are believers or not believers. But I want you to think about these these questions, these three questions, sort of like um, uh, branches on a tree. Uh, they are root questions and they grow up into a trunk and they spread out in the branches of a tree and so there are a ton of questions that are a result really of just really three basic questions again why would I share this well I hope it helps you but it also might help you interpret life for somebody else who comes to you with questions as you're trying to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ the three questions are again just these and this is all the comment really I have on these they have to do with where we are going in life and how will I get there Jesus said it again I am the way I am the truth and I am the life so they have to do with where we're going in life and how will we get there number 2 who or what will I come to believe in life and the third one what should my life look like what will life be for me? So again, if you're taking notes, let me make, make uh, mention of them again. Number one, where are we going in life and how will I get there? Number two, who or what will I believe in life? Very important because your life will end up being shaped by what you come to trust 
or who you come to trust in and believe. And the third question is, what would life be for me? I don't know. I can't speak for everybody in the room, obviously. But when I was about seven or eight years old, I actually began to ask myself these questions. And most of the times they would occur when I would quiet myself, get ready for bed. And then throughout the night, I would begin to process all of these questions in one way or another, asking them in different ways as I continued to grow up uh, into adult life. And so I think, again, there are questions that really are pretty resident, pretty much resident. I could go a little deeper than that, and I don't know that it helps us this morning to do that. But I believe these serious questions, uh, life-shaping, life-changing questions, really began in the Garden of Eden with what occurred, occurred there. But those three basic questions I think Jesus addressed Actually, they're revealed to us and the answers that Jesus gave when he said again, say it with me. I am the way, the truth and the life. The second truth I see from these uh, just these verses we read this morning. This was very, uh, very important uh, to me. It just really opened my heart in a new way. That's just I just try to explain that to you. I'm not sure I I can. I, I didn't quite I've never quite seen it the way I'm about to explain it to you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I really believe that Jesus, of course, was trying to get his, his, his followers or those seeking him to ask better questions. And you say, well, why would he do that? Because our questions reveal more about us than what we propose in other ways. I, I don't remember who it was. He was a philosopher of some background who said... If I want to judge a man, I will judge him by the questions that he's asking and not by what he's promoting in life. I can learn more. I've found this to be true. Uh, counseling people over the years or just praying with people. If I'm a good listener and I'm listening to their questions, I can go to a better place with them than I can if they just try to explain to me their circumstances. And I think Jesus was working at this part of his conversation with them. To, to ask, to get them to ask better questions. Of course, he didn't answer the question uh, that they asked the way he thought they, or they probably thought he would or should. They were just saying, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you to that place. We know today that place is to the Father, but but they didn't get all of that, and they just caught hold of the first part of what Jesus was saying and said, well, we don't know. First of all, Jesus, we really don't know where you're going. And because we don't know where you're going, we're not settled on that, how can we possibly know the way uh, to where you're going? And Jesus, instead of just taking out the GPS on his iPhone, because we know if Jesus had any kind of phone, it would have been an iPhone. Now, don't laugh. I mean, it's just true. You might as well sell that in your heart. Okay. Then you can go to heaven when you die. But he didn't pull out a map. He didn't pull out their traditional way of sort of planning a trip. In that moment, he, he went deeper. He went further. I am the way. But I'm also the truth. And I'm also the life. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm meditating that and I'm thinking, what, what are you doing here? Because you could just say, well, you know, I'm going uh, to, to, I'm going to die. And, I, and I've already sort of hinted at some of this. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised 
up. I'm going to go to the presence of the Father. I'm going to put my blood there. And now you'll be able to come again into the presence of the Father. And be reunited with Him. Heaven will be your home. And He didn't do that. And I think those of us who are students of the Word want to look hard at that. And I think one of the reasons was is He wanted them to ask better questions. And I'm going to bring that up to you a little bit later as we close. But also, there's also a great truth that's revealed here. And it's this, that Jesus made life more about the who than the what. The essence of life as God really intended it is more about who than it is about the details of what and when and sometimes even why. It's about relationship. Can you say it out loud? Relationship. And we know that's true because just a few chapters over in our Bible, John 17, 3, Jesus is praying and he's actually saying this. He says, eternal life means to know and experience you, the only true God, and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son whom you have sent. Life is more about relationship, certainly first with God and with others than it is about all the whats that we tend to complicate life with or the whys. I'm not saying that ignorance is bliss, but you can't separate the one who originated life, who's the author of life and the masterpiece of life. You can't separate him from the discussion about life. You just can't and come up with the right answer. Can I have a better amen? amen. You just can't do it. But it, there's a lesson here that we just seem to refuse to learn. Uh, example, end of life. If you've ever been around someone who was at the end of their life and they were really considering their life and taking their last breath or preparing to take their last breath, people see faces, not accomplishments. When your life passes before you, it won't be in numbers and it won't be in stats, but it'll be in the connections that you shared with people, those you loved and those you, who loved you back. Our goodbyes won't be to spreadsheets. And to diplomas. Or trophies. In a special custom case. To hold them. But to our co-workers. Our teachers. Our teammates. Our mates. Brothers. Sisters. In Christ. It's been proven over. And over. And over. Again. I read the testimony, really, of someone who is now a hospice uh, chaplain, kind of went through a process, wasn't sure if that's what she wanted to do, was asked some hard questions that unsettled her about the work, and but she came to the conclusion that it's really her calling in life, and this is what she wanted to do. She wanted to be with those people leaving this life and entering into eternity with or without God. And this is her testimony. I'll just read it to you. She says, I visit people who are dying. In their homes and hospitals and nursing homes. And if you were to ask me the same question. What do people who are sick and dying talk about with the chaplain? I without hesitation or uncertainty would give you the same answer. Mostly they talk about their families. About their mothers and their fathers. Their sons and their daughters. They talk about the love they felt. And the love they gave. Often they talk about. Love they did not receive or the love they did not know how to offer the love they withheld or maybe never felt for the ones they should have loved unconditionally. She went on to say, we don't live our lives in our heads in theology 
and in theories. We live our lives in our families. The families we're born into, the families we create, the families we make through the people we choose as friends. And so again, it's a lesson that we really could learn. It's not a hard lesson to learn. It's one we can easily accept. And even to Jesus in the statement that he made, I believe he is he's putting an emphasis on, again, the essence of life. And it's not about all the what's and why's and the how's. It really is about the who's in our life. The third thing, the third truth that I, I gather from the statement that, or the answer that Jesus made here again, say it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say it, I am the way, the truth, the life. Notice how he said it. I, again, the question is, where are we going? How do we get there? He says, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Again, putting an emphasis not just on the basics of life, but on the essence of life, which is about relationship. Certainly, again, with God and with other people. The third truth that emerges here, in my view, in Jesus' answer to these questions, are what I'll just refer to as the absolutes of redemption, because they need to be clear. Uh, Getting back to the Father is what Jesus is talking about. Being reconciled to Him uh, are only to be found in a relationship with Him, with Jesus Christ. A lot of people in our world today, even some Christians I talk to, don't like this word, absolute. They hate the word, don't talk to me about onlys, in terms of only this or only that. And it's just getting more and more muddy. More and more people, it it appears to me, want to get rid of some of the most basic foundations and unchangeables and absolutes of life. Be careful what you wish for, because the very universe that we're living is, is founded on absolutes. They're unchangeable laws, even physical laws in the earth that right now are upholding everything else that's going on. One of the reasons that we woke up today, again to daylight, and we'll go to bed to a sundown today, the earth continues to revolve around its axis without, um, you know, shifts and changes is because there are laws that God spoke in to being. In fact, the Bible says this about God's portion in creation. Hebrews 1, 3, the second part of the verse says he holds the universe together and expands it. How? By the mighty power of his spoken word. So there are absolutes that we should be grateful for. And yet it's again something that many of us are trying to kind of dump. Well, when it comes to life, you can't dump absolutes. You just can't do it. Now, you can't make your preferences absolutes, which we tend to do. I prefer this, and it should be for everybody. I live my life this way, and it should be for everybody across the board. You can't make your preference an absolute. We should let absolutes define our preferences. Amen. Amen. So Jesus again makes it clear here and he doesn't, he's he's not again, I I don't see his tone changing much here. He's in this comfort um, place and he's really trying to work to steady. Everybody say steady. He's trying to steady his disciples at a place of upheaval in their life. Have you noticed our world's in quite the upheaval too? And so more and more questions are going to come, I think. 
And again, we need to hear the words of Jesus again ourselves. Those of us who are believers, those of us who are trying to make up our mind about Jesus, hear what he has, really hear what he has to say about him himself. Because absolutes can't be changed and remain absolutes. But absolutes can be exchanged. And that's what we see happening. Absolutes can't be changed. For example, truth is an absolute. It's an absolute. All right? We don't define truth. Truth defines us. We can discover truth, but we can't define truth. Are you listening? And that's important, especially because you're hearing and I'm hearing it. People say, even Christian people say, I live by my own truth. Okay. Well, what you've done, you've not changed truth. You've exchanged something for the truth that you're calling the truth. And we all have to watch this because philosophies, godless philosophies are on the rise. Jesus said they would be. All right. False philosophies, the, the, uh, theocracies, we call them. They sound good. They sound like God, but they're not God. They don't bring us to God. They actually make us more independent of God. And we're going to have to be a more discerning group. Come on, help me, church. Than we probably are today. Not probably. Than we are today. Moving forward so that we can hold to Jesus, a person who is the truth. Not just a different theology than somebody else. Or a different way of religiously thinking about God. But Jesus himself. Jesus again said, I am the way. I am the truth. And, and the life. I want to show you something. If you don't already know it in scripture. Romans chapter 1 verses 24 and 25. Describe a people group. Who actually did that. They had the truth. They knew the truth. They at one time uh, knew God. The Bible says it's about them. But they refused to worship him as God. And in doing so. God turned them loose. He went ahead and gave them what they really wanted, which was life independent of God. I'll just read it to you in Scripture, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin. Because it didn't say he'd stop loving them. This is the action they wanted. God gave it to them. Verse 25, because they exchanged the truth of God, couldn't change the truth. But they could exchange for the truth. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served the creature. Rather than the creator. Who is blessed forever. Amen. And so so be it. So let's get back to the way Jesus answered the question again. He said I am the way. The truth and the life. Interesting just those two words I am. In our, in our Bibles. Of course that's the way God introduced himself. It's actually how he instructed Moses. To answer the question, should he be asked the question when he was going to Pharaoh, well, who sent you, who commissioned you, who authorized you, who empowered you? God told Moses to say, I am. So it's a way that God identified himself as being the almighty God, not just a Lord, not a God or even a mighty God, but the almighty God. I say that to you because many theologians believe this is one place. There's another place in John eight fifty eight. Where Jesus has a conversation again with those who are challenging him and his mission and who he is. And he just talks about Abraham. In fact, John 8, 58 says this. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And many theologians believe 
And I accept this view that this was one of the times where he was not speaking metaphorically. Like he would at other times, I am the living water. I am the bread of life. He would use I am, but he would speak metaphorically. But here he's declaring his own deity. He was doing that in John 58. So how how do you know that? Because verse 59 tells us what happened when he said it. When he said before Abraham was, I am. The Bible says those that heard him took up stones and attempted to kill him. Now, why would he do that if he was just speaking metaphorically? They understood him to say, I am the almighty God. Well, we know the Bible agrees with that thought. In fact, John would say, the beloved, in the beginning was God. The word was with God. The word was God. All things were made by him. Without him, there was nothing made that was made. In him was life. And that life became the light of men. This is one of the places where, again, I believe he's declaring his deity, which just makes this point even stronger because he is the Lord God. He changes not. There's an absolute you're just going to have to deal with. All men have to deal with in order to actually experience forgiveness and receive eternal life and be reconciled to the heavenly heavenly father. So again, let me conclude. Number one, Jesus said, I am the way. Say it, the way. Put an emphasis on the way. It's the definite article in the Greek. You don't have to know that, but it's there. And it distinguishes again, Jesus just saying, well, I'm just a way among many. In fact, he's answering the question to comfort, to, to answer, uh, to stabilize Uh, These people that he deeply loves. He wants us to carry that same message. With the same result into life. And he says I am the way. To the father. Not just heaven. But to the father. Heaven's not the end goal. Father is the end goal. Why? Because it's not what. It's who. That is the essence of real life. Amen. It's relation. Ship. So he's not, Jesus didn't say, I'm a way among many. He said, I'm the way. Again, if you don't like that, you can exchange it, but you cannot change it. Proverbs 14, 12 is just one place that says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death or the ways of death. Jesus would talk about a broad way that men would uh, travel. And follow and journey down. He said, but the end of it is destruction. Now you would, you would and I wouldn't travel down any way that I thought was a way of destruction. It wouldn't seem right to me. But there are people who life without God seems right. Independent of God seems right. But make no mistake about it. The end of it is the way are the ways of death. Jesus is the way to life. In everlasting life. Jesus said I am the way. I am the truth. Again not a truth. The truth. It's like people today who say Jesus is. You know all I ever wanted or needed. Uh, you know but I have my. Again I have my own home truth. What Jesus is saying here is. I'm everything you ever wanted or needed. To believe about the father. You don't have to look any further. And Jesus would say that to Philip. Jesus actually made that statement. To the public. That if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because I didn't come here on my own to do my own thing. But Jesus now says it in this more personal way to Philip who says, if you'll just show me the Father, you know, I'll be happy. It'll, it'll, I'll be satisfied. It'll, 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 it'll solve everything. And Jesus just looked at him and said, Philip, 
I, I don't, haven't you gotten this yet? If you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. Again, Hebrews 1.3 says it from the Passion Translation. Such a beautiful way. The Son, talking about Jesus, is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's nature. His mirror image. Can I say it to you this way? That Jesus is perfect theology. And you don't have to graduate a Bible college to get to that place. Go to Bible college, but don't let Bible college unseat you from this. If, if Jesus went about doing good. I said, Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, who the devil was trying to exercise his authority against. That's what the word oppressed means. We turn the tables on him in Christ. Now we have authority in Jesus name. And now we can put Satan under our feet while we go free. Can, you ha- can we have a good praise to the Lord there? Amen? Just like these people we prayed for today. Many of them came and said, I'm oppressed. I'm down. I'm dark. I'm in a dark place. We believe God has liberated them. Who did that? Jesus. He is the truth. And to see Jesus, you've experienced the truth. The argument is settled when you settle by faith on Jesus Christ. His words were truth. Everything he says is truth. Everything he did exemplified truth. Jesus is the truth. And then, of course, he said, finally, he said, he said, I am the life. What was he saying? He was just saying, this is what God intended life to be like. Uh, John said in him was life and that life was the light of men. John 1, 4. What did Jesus do? Again, he went about loving, doing good, being kind, defeating the darkness. And John writing later by the Holy Spirit said this in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12, Passion Bible. Whoever has the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not have the Son does not possess eternal life. It couldn't be simpler And it couldn't be clear. Again, John would say, in him, Jesus, was life. Referring to the life of God or life as God has it. The word is zoe in the Greek language. When Jesus said, John 10.10, I have come that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it more abundantly. By making that statement, he was inferring whatever they were living was not life. From God's perspective and God's point of view. Not what God intended for them. Jesus put that again on display. In fact, he again is the essence of life. Without him, there is no life. 